0: Two peas Two and a bongs and a bong. Two peas and a bong. Two peas Two and a bong and a bong. Two
1: peas and a bong.
2: yeah man this is norman epps man and i'm blowing smoke with two peas in a bong man
1: what's up y'all two peas in the bong in the building it's your boy dp it's your boy kp and u bong also known as bong what's happening all right all right y'all we have a uh Special guest in the building to uh, chop
3: it up with us today. Norman Epps. Norman Epps, he is the father of Cody Epps, a recent graduate of, uh, well, soon to be graduate of modern day high. Cody was a USA Today first-team All-American, stats for a senior year, 93 catches, 1,735 yards, 28 touchdowns. Norman was also a, uh, you know, pretty good football player in his own right, star wide receiver at Crenshaw High School. Um, Those of you who have listened to us before know that uh, two peas in the bong, we all went to uh, Crenshaw High, so Norm is is like family, okay, so... uh, We got him here today to discuss a few things. We're going to get into a lot today. Uh, Discussing the student athlete, raising a student athlete, uh, the behind the scenes uh, that goes on with that. Um, You know, mainly from a father's perspective. You know, you hear a lot of things about uh players and their moms and what their moms did that's highlighted when they you know are drafted by the nfl or the nba or major league baseball whatever the sport is you always hear a player talking about the stories with their mothers but uh there's a lot of fathers um you know the three of us the two uh, two piece in a bong we grind every day with our children sports wise educationally as well so we know about this you know uh they're soccer moms i'm a soccer dad kevin you got uh norman's already laughing (laughs) (laughs) kevin you got uh you got four boys uh you're grooming them all to be uh student athletes ubang you have three sons uh doing the same with them as well so uh today we'll just really talk about this journey from um a father's perspective And, and norman you know you'll be giving us a lot of insight on um the journey with with cody so uh glad to have you on here with us brother
2: Appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, all right. First, I like to say before we start, I like to preface by giving Cody's mother a shout out, Brooke Ashley, who you all know, also a Crenshaw alumni. Um,
3: shout out to Brooke. Brooke Ashley. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: Cody would not be the young man that he is uh, without his mother. Um, but today's episode, we're, we're going to focus on us for once, right?
1: And, uh- <laughs> but I, I just want to say something like "I we, we appreciate you coming on obviously norm is uh his family shit i know known him 20 plus you know we've all known brooke 20 plus so you know this family ties right here man so you know before we even get into the, the the meter episode like just seeing cody and seeing him do his thing man it, it made me proud you know what i'm saying to have a connection to him even though shit cody probably don't even know me but you know what i mean like i've been you know rooting for the kid and supporting the kid you know from day one so it's just it's just a pleasure to, to see that to see the other. The level up you know and, and seeing that the apple didn't fall far from the tree and uh, you know th- th- that's that's a blessing bro absolutely absolutely
3: i feel the same way i told hey i told Norm a story about uh when i was volunteering at this uh thanksgiving uh situation uh packing boxes for families um and that was right when they were getting ready to play uh was it was it bosco they were playing uh, yeah, over at Cerritos College. And um, one of the one of the volunteers in there was packing boxes, too. And he started talking about a game. And I'm like, oh, OK. Uh, and they're playing modern day. I said, oh, yeah, you know, I went to school with, uh, you know, uh, Cody Epps, uh, parents. And then the dude is like, oh, my God, he's a, he's a beast. We, we, we don't have a shot. I mean, we're just going, but man, we don't have a shot. And I'm like, the same way you said, Uban, Cody don't know me from a motherfucking hole in the wall. Yeah. And I'm out there with my chest pumped out, like, yeah, you motherfuckers ain't got a chance.
1: Oh, <laughs> right, right, right.
3: So I feel you on that on that tip. Like, yeah, for sure. Like, I'm I'm just happy to see it, man. All right, so let's let's kind of um get on into this, man. Uh so Norm, I want you to take the reins on this and just just talk about your journey from just just start to where you are now and we'll kind of chime in, you know, as as we go along.
2: Uh I think basically, man, you know, we, we we all share the experience of having having a kid, right, a son. And I think your your first thoughts are, "What what the hell am I gonna do? Like, what the fuck am I gonna do to make this human being that I'm responsible for better than than I am?" Right. So that's first, right. So then you start to you know deduct and, and okay, well, I don't, what what do I really know how to do? Right. So I'm like, okay, well, I, I know how to play wide receiver, and um, well, that's something that I know that I can instill. My son, of course, amongst other things, you know, ABCs, one, two, threes, you know what I'm saying. But um, so our journey basically started then, and with with the. The frame of thinking is that, um, you know, me and his mom, you know, it's gonna be hard for us to afford college out of our pockets, right? Uh, without him incurring thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, which I'm got, I'm sure you guys are aware of, and uh, mm-hmm. debt, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was kind of where the journey started, right? And, and, and by
3: the way, you you were a teen parent. You started off young.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Brooke and I were were uh, just turned nineteen. Okay. Mm-hmm both in junior college and, um, you know, high school sweethearts, you know, that, that thing. And, um, both didn't have a fucking clue. You know what I'm saying? Um, outside of, we knew that we loved this young man. You know, we didn't have a fucking clue. Um, so we, we, us three kind of grew up together, you know what I mean? And, um, so Brooke, to her credit, she kinda defaulted to me with the with the man stuff. And um that's kinda where football came into play. You know what I mean? And I don't think it's, it's it's any different than somebody, you know, growing up doing karate or somebody growing up playing baseball or somebody growing up playing chess. You you, you pass things down to your kid mm-hmm. and you, you you intertwine the life lessons inside of that. You know what I mean? Because Football in itself is not that fucking important, right? And I've always mm-hmm. stressed that to coach. It's, it's still just a game, right? But um, it's a game for whatever reason that can open up a bunch of doors for you as an adult. And um I just didn't see any other way for me to op- to open those doors for him. So it kinda that that's where, like I said again, that's where the journey kind of started to where, you know, um I, I could see like some of the natural gifts that it, that he already was born with, that God blessed him with, that God blessed me with, mm-hmm. um that it will make it the curve a lot easier for him. And um I can I can name a countless amount of times, man, where guys would just say, Man, and this dude, bro, like he just does stuff in, inherently that these other kids can't do. Um, so a lot of it, bro, I, I have to say now, was God, man. Uh, and, uh, you know what I mean? Um, Cody could catch the ball at one years old, yeah. literally. Okay. Um, it's funny because we talk like when we talk, we can kind of name the amount of times. And I've never missed a game. Not one, I haven't missed a quarter of a game. Um, I, we can count how many times and specifically go back to when Cody dropped the football. He's caught in his life probably, or I could imagine, 10,000 footballs. Um so again, not just, you know, like um <laughs> to be honest, he made it easy, man. Okay. He made it easy, man.
3: Okay. All right. What I what I want to ask ask you is there were some difficulties coming up as a young man yourself, and while he may have made it easy to teach him talent-wise in football, um, there were some things, you, you mentioned opening doors a minute ago, there were some things that we encountered coming up in, in you know, junior high, high school that I'm sure you wanted to steer him away from. Um, can you tell us a little bit about where you're coming from in terms of your experience through junior high, high school, and then how that influenced you to, you know, do certain things with your son a certain way?
2: Yeah. Um, I always say I can't, I can't tell them, you know, all the right things to do, but I can definitely, I I could write a book on the wrong things to do because I did most of them. So it's like, um, I, I kind of just use that as my, as, as my map, just my life experience in, in the wrong turns that I took. Um, they weren't major, but they were enough to derail, you know, a, probably a, a promising career in football, and that's all it takes. Sometimes it's just a pebble in the road, but you know, we all grew up pretty much in the same environment, so you guys can relate. I I, I grew up on Forty uh, Eighth Street in in Normandy. You know what I mean? And um,
1: Thirty Sixth in Normandy for me,
3: Sixty First in Normandy for me. So we that's all it. on the damn you know same I'm, street, I'm, just I'm, make a different turn. You know what I'm saying?
0: Then I'm on the east side, Watts. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, see. Man, I so, was
3: over there too r- with you, so I know what's up over there as well man so yeah
2: so the, with that being said we pretty much were all entrenched in that you know what i mean in that psychotic environment um uh, that the, the era that we grew up in to me i said it was the worst era, era in, in the history of our section the violence the 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 murder the fear you know what i mean our parents being scared to just let us go to school sometimes and, and 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 sitting at home in fear waiting for us to come home. You know, a bus ride could cost you your life. A walk to the store could cost you your life. I, I'm a firm believer that we all suffer from PTSD because we grew up in war zones. So, uh, of course, you know, my parenting, my parenting is, is a reflection of that in some ways. I didn't want Cody to experience any of that, which I'm sure you guys can attest to um, mm-hmm. with your kids. So, all of this was geared to get him above all of that shit, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Oh, um, absolutely. I, I didn't want him to have to be faced with the decisions that we were that we were faced with at any age in his life. The ones that we were faced with at 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. I didn't want him to have to face them ever. So, uh, and I know yeah, that rightful,
3: rightfully so, man, because uh, you know, some of some of the people we went to school with or that we knew as kids and stuff, they're not here. You yeah, you know what I'm we, saying?
2: Yeah, and we chuckle at that, you know what I mean, because it it, it I think it's to fight back the hurt of it. Um, I, Cody, I, I tell him all the time, like man, I had lost at least five or six homeboys by the time I was sixteen years old, and um, you know those are our classmates, and I don't think people put that in the proper perspective. They don't contextualize it. It's just, it's just a, a person, a name, or to them. But those are our classmates. You know what I mean? Those are dudes that we slept on f- feet to head with in our beds. You know what I mean? Those are the people that our mothers fed, and their mothers fed us when we were hungry. Those are the people that. You know we, we threw rocks at and had had fruit fights with and, and, and yeah. all of our first experiences with you know stealing a piece of candy from the store and all that type of stuff same memories that every adolescent in the world has right when that person is taken the future is also robbed right so I didn't get a future with Marcel I didn't get a future with oh. Drew, I didn't get a future with these guys you know what I mean uh, and I, mm-hmm. they didn't get to bask and um and Cody and I those are the things that's lost on people that you know we don't think about about a lot you know I think I, we talk about it all the time me and my friends that that are blessed to still be here like damn man I wonder what, what Jale would have did right now looking at Cody or I wonder what Julius would have did looking at Cody or I wonder what Ty would have said looking at Cody I wonder what Marcel how Marcel would have reacted because I knew they would have been there you know what I mean so there's mm-hmm. a that's a void um
1: and you know I'm not to cut you off but uh I spoke on this uh a, a few weeks ago and I you know just talking to different people like the experiences that we had growing up junior high and high school, no kid should deal with. Yeah. No kid that should deal with that shit. Death should not be normal mm. coming up in junior high and high school. You feel me? Nah, nah, Absolutely right.
2: Everything should be in its proper order. You know, like death, death is inevitable. But um we should be talking about man, my grandfather, you know, passed away or my, my, my great aunt passed away. You know what I mean? Not not my classmate. Not some dude I grew up with not no dude that's my age. Because how do you how do you deal with that? because that's me i'm him right so if his life means nothing then what is my life
3: how do you know you're not next
2: again yeah so um,
3: and that's something you think about and it's like the bare necessities are you know eating and drinking and shit like that and making sure you paying attention in class but it's like i gotta get to school first
0: yeah you know (laughs) what i'm
3: saying i gotta i gotta make sure i'm straight to even get there in the first place so
2: and you know what's funny i want to say this to y'all man i would look at at, at you and Oob, you know what I mean? Like I, I used to be over at Oob's house, so I knew where he lived. But I would look at certain guys that weren't affiliated with any gangs, that didn't, you know, walk like me and talk like me, and um, I'd be like, "Damn!" I just automatically assume, like D. I thought you lived, you grew up in Ladera Heights, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Off the rip, right? And but that's a part of the, the the programming, right? It it because because you talked different and you spoke right and, and, and you didn't sag your pants and, and you know what I mean, you didn't rob people, I figured, you know, you you couldn't identify with, you know, my environment. Which is com- which is complete bullshit. It's like some King Leopold Belgium type shit. You know what I mean? We programmed to separate each other by these little minute assumptions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it was like you-, you was a different class of people. You and Stokes and all them other dudes. Yeah there mm-hmm. and you know what i'm saying like we over here with the crips you know it's what I'm crazy saying? Like, you know it's what I'm crazy
3: saying? you hey look it's crazy you say that because me and kevin had these conversations because i felt like man i was somewhere in the middle then because i felt like they was they was the super west side of derrick heights niggas <laughs> and i was like you know i was i was like nah you know because A- i stars- was over the East Side. We was a stone throw. Yeah. Side. Look. So check this <laughs> out. Ubon. Ubon started like a block around the corner from me. He was around the corner from me. We went to elementary school for like the first what three four years. Yeah, so like, we started in like kindergarten. And he left. Yeah. He left in like third grade. Yeah. So I knew where he was. He knew where I was. But then I mean, from there I went to Audubon. Then I went to Crenshaw. But I didn't. I didn't know none of them niggas coming up. Like all the basketball players that I hoop with. I didn't know them niggas. So I felt like and kevin we've talked about this so that's crazy that you say that because you know but i didn't get affiliated with shit because my moms wasn't having that shit and my grandparents wasn't having that shit so they were they was on me tough
2: Bro, on top of that because my moms and dads were having that shit and i know a lot of it you know there's this misconception that everybody that we grew up with didn't have a mom and a dad and that's bullshit um a lot of us did we just didn't fucking listen to them. you know what i'm saying like (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's a credit to you dog to you know it takes care Courage, man, it takes courage to go to class, bro. It takes courage to fucking listen to the teacher. It takes courage not to walk the fucking halls all day because you could walk the halls all day at Crenshaw. Trust me, I I, I can show yeah. you a walk to walk. You
1: know what I'm saying? Like I used to do both. Hey, check this out, know? man. Listen. You know, I'm 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 one of those um, shit. I'm 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 like an oxymoron type. Like, I was, I was, nah, straight up, man. I was I was hanging out with the gangsters, like Norm. You know that. Like, I was hanging out with the gangsters, but on the, on the flip side, I was in the magnet program, so mm-hmm. I was. You know, I was still had I was still held to a certain standard. So I had to try and cut time and try and figure out how I could go hit the dice game during the class and still make it back to the class and do my work and this that and the third. It was, you know what I'm saying? So I was damn near caught right in the middle. Um, where a lot of the a lot of the bangers and a lot of the 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 people I was cool with on that side was like, damn, like how are you a magnet? And then all the magnet students that was advanced placement, they was like Yo, this how the fuck is this nigga in magnet? Like, they, you know, like everybody's looking at me like, yo, how the fuck are you? So, you know what I'm saying? I had to kind of try and balance both sides. And it was, it was kind of weird because I, I, I never felt like I was truly accepted by. Like the, the top of the top tier magnet people, you know what I'm saying? And the and the motherfuckers on the gangster side was like, man, like why why are you kicking it with us when you one of them magnet students? You
0: feel me? So it was it was it was a weird dynamic. I man, I, I felt out of place, man. Cause I was an East Side dude at Crenshaw. Hell, I didn't know I only knew one person from middle school. <laughs> and that and that was Michael Williams. That we, we knew each other from middle school and elementary. That was it. And again, he was and he was right down the street from Crenshaw. But Eastside dude lived in Grape Street hood. I know Grape Streets and Six O's don't get along. Like that shit was it. It was very different. And 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 I was you know coolest with you, DP, because I was like I saw the similarities. You with your grandparents, I was with my grandparents. They're from Arkansas. Mine are from Arkansas. So I was like okay, this dude in the hoop. I'm in the hoop. Uh, we got some of the same classes. Okay. Cool. and 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 it just went from there um but even in my own hood man i was you know i was out of place cuz you know, uh I wasn't missing meals. Everybody else was missing meals and starving. They stealing out of necessity. I didn't have to do that. I was I was stealing out of ignorance and just just being dumb, trying to fit in, doing dumb stuff. But yeah, man. So the stuff y'all see is very interesting.
2: It's this line. It's my favorite line in in the Wire series, right? Where uh, Stringer Bell is on his way out, right? He, they, he, mm-hmm. he played himself all the yeah. way, and they're on top of the balcony, and they and they looking at like, damn, can you, you know? They were talking about they. Uh looking back to their childhood and they couldn't I know believe
3: thing you're talking about. Yeah.
2: Avon, right? Who's supposed to be the street nigga and the dummy, right? And Stringer, who's supposed to be the intelligent one, right? Says the coldest shit ever, bro. He says to String, he said, bro, you know what your problem is? You too dumb for them and you too soft for us. Hmm. Right? And I think that's where most of us fucking, you know, like where we linger at, right? High school is a fucking minefield, dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a it's a and especially with all of the derivatives of a place like crenshaw just think about it dog it sits smack dab in the middle of a blood neighborhood
0: yeah vng's
2: <laughs> right it sits smack dab in the middle of a blood neighborhood but it's a completely crip dominated high school right so yeah. where do the regular niggas fit in at <laughs> right like where 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 do the regular guys fit in man I uh, just you want- get
3: you get tested nigga you get tested i'm gonna throw something else in there and kind of get back on the track of the sports tip though because norm you like you say like you was a little bit more affiliated with the niggas and ubon you was you was you know doing your thing trying to straddle that line with the gifted magnet and then the hood niggas too but it's like if you there you're gonna be affiliated regardless and you're gonna be tested by niggas regardless so nigga it happened but but yeah. to bring a sports kind of kind of thing in there it's like there were also different privileges afforded to athletes so yeah. you would get a pass on some shit for from an athlete's perspective i remember niggas telling me that they was betting i mean these is niggas from obviously they from 60s or from 40s or whatever because that's who was at the school these is niggas betting i'm not gonna throw names out there but you they was betting up. like they was they was betting like hey nigga i bet that you that you're gonna get at least 15 tonight yeah. like nigga i need that dub i'm like 15. don't trip <laughs> i got 15 easy <laughs> it's crazy but yeah. not just i mean so from that perspective it's like i'm just saying that to say this if you were a hooper or you play you know football or whatever you were accepted off the strength of that too and you got passes off the strength of that too so you know but but again so norm you were also a student athlete at at that time at crenshaw as well we're going over a lot of the shit that we faced and didn't want our kids to have to face and don't want our kids to have to face. So I want to go back on to uh, your journey. So there were challenges in high school, but then there's also some challenges that you faced in trying to guide Cody in this sports path. So can you talk a little bit about the things that you've seen on the sports scene uh, coming up with Cody?
2: Um, Just the sheer competitiveness. Right. Because, like I said, I'm not my my journey. Or my path that I set out on, it's a million other dudes with the same frame of mind, right? Uh, I didn't reinvent the wheel. So inside of that, it just becomes ultra competitive and cutthroat. You know what I mean? At an early age, you realize that we call it inside the football realm, we call it daddy ball, right? It's a real turn, right? <laughs> to where daddies get on coaching staffs specifically to give their kid an upper hand. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Um, things like that that you have to navigate around. Um, and then your 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 own instincts of, of protection, right? Because at the end of the day, that's my baby, right? At the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's my kid. That's I'm responsible for him, all right? I will give my life for him. So mm-hmm. um, in a lot of these situations, man... When you don't have control, you know, like at the house, you got control and they can go take the trash out. You know what I'm saying? Do your homework. You're putting your kid in other people's care. Yeah. And those people don't always more times than not. Don't give a fuck about your kid. Right. Yeah, Because they're too busy giving a fuck about theirs. Right. Which is understandable, but it doesn't it, it's not conducive with a team environment. Right. So mm-hmm. inherently it creates problems. There's it's a lot of backstabbing. It's a lot of positioning. I'm talking about eight, nine, ten years old, right? We ain't even talking about high school.
0: Um, Getting them in those skill positions.
2: Yeah, everybody's running back. Everybody's yeah. receiver. <laughs> uh, nobody wants to play the line. See, when I played my first year in organized football. I played defensive end and fullback. And I mean real fullback, like never get the ball fullback. You know what I'm saying? Like, nigga, just your alignment, but you lined up back here. You know what I'm saying? And then I had to gradually work my way into a skill position. But I don't remember, maybe because I was a kid, I don't remember back then it being so many dads. Coach Calhoun who couldn't have been nobody's daddy because the nigga was 90 coaching. We had coach Meeks. We had older men that were just a part of the community that were coaching kids. And, um, Mm -hmm. I, I can't really pinpoint what happened and why that changed so drastically. But, um, Maybe they got tired of, of, of mama's complaining and daddy's complaining and shit. I don't know. But um, it kind of, it it changed for the worse. Uh, I was actually, and, and it's, every parent says the same thing. When your kid transitions from youth to high school, it is one of the happiest days of your entire life, right? Because now it's more, it goes back to what I was saying. The high school coaches don't have a son on the team, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have a kid on the team. Their job is to win football games. Games, right. So more times than not, they're going to do what they need to do to win football games. Now, that might not coincide with them playing your son if the nigga sucks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you, you don't have to worry about what well, they're not playing my son because that's the that's the fucking coach's uh, son out there in front of me and shit like that. There's some other different politics when you get to high school, but not that at least. Yeah. You know what I mean? OK,
3: so when you um you talked about coaching, did you ever find yourself in that position of daddy balling where you were the actual coach and you were um, coaching your son?
2: That's a funny story. Um, the first year when Cody was uh, like eight, uh, I coached for like a preseason game and I got into it with, with <laughs> I daddy ball my way off the coaching staff. <laughs> <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> so, but it actually worked out perfect and I and I, and I actually that it was crazy because I actually went to, we actually went to another team and I actually got some lifelong friends from that situation. That coaching staff, I still deal with them dudes, them and some of my best partners. But hmm. uh, I was banned from the sidelines though. So I was offensive coordinating from the stands like like NFL. <laughs> we was on some high power shit at eight year old football. So but wow. I couldn't be on the sidelines. <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> because of my <laughs> foolish antics when Cody was eight years old. Um, but I was justified because this dude didn't know his didn't know a playbook from his asshole, and he was getting Cody amongst others killed because he wanted his son to be the quarterback, and his son couldn't even hand the ball off fast enough before the defenders would get there and kill and cream all of our kids. So it wasn't wow. just about Cody. It was about it was my response to his daddy balling. So I okay. I daddy balled a daddy baller.
3: Okay. All right. So, so then course, when you when you moved uh, out of that spotlight and you weren't coaching and stuff, um
2: I haven't like coached Cody since. Other than train like us one on one, I haven't coached him on like on a team since. I okay.
1: yeah. Hey let me let me interject. I so I when Austin first started playing flag football, um, I coached his flag football team and I coached this flag football team for two years. The first year, we had a kid that was better than him. You know, I started off with Austin as, um, with the intention of putting Austin as, as the quarterback. You know, on that flag at four, you know, like quarterback is going to do everything. But we got a, a kid on the team that was better than him. And it was like, yo, he's going to be the quarterback, not Austin, you know. So, you know, but Austin... And a kid don't give a fuck. They just they want to go out there and run around, play, have a good time, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was the next year that Austin kind of came into us. You know, came second year playing flag. The other kid had moved up to playing tackle, and Austin was the best player on our team. And it was the worst position to be in as a coach because no matter how many games we won because of Austin, if there was any missteps. <laughs> Mm-hmm. any one play didn't go right they would look at me and say damn if you would have gave it to another kid out here playing daddy ball i'm like what really <laughs> hey man i promise you austin you know so after that austin moved up to tackle and <laughs> austin moved up to tackle and i was so happy to just not be a coach. I didn't want to coach him or be on the coaching staff because I just want to be on the sideline. I can coach my kid up and say, you know, uh, suggest certain things, but to be on the field as a coach with a kid that plays on the team is probably one of the hardest things. If you're truly trying to coach and help kids get better and, you know, like do your job as a coach, it's one of the hardest things to do because I was going harder on my son, you know. He's five, and I'm you know I'm building other kids up, and I'm I'm ripping Austin every chance I got, tearing him down because I knew he could take the criticism. I knew he could take it, and behind the closed doors, I'm you know I'm being a positive reinforcement. But it was just the, I, I couldn't do it. I'd rather be on the sidelines and just be a you know one of the screaming dads in the in the in the audience or in the in the stands than to be on the coaching staff where my kid is playing because it's just the scrutiny is is ridiculous, man. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. I, and I KP. Agree. K.P., I know you, uh, you've you been in the position of coaching your sons, too. Did you run into the same type of situation?
0: So um, I actually coached my oldest two in football as well. Uh, we did flag because we had a flag football. We actually had a league. It was my league, and I was coaching them um, on a team in my league. Yeah that was we had referees it was it was pretty relaxed I I spread the ball around different things like that um in tackle the thing that I did I was like the reverse dad effect so I was giving everybody I, I knew my children were better but I played the game in terms of giving everybody else an opportunity first instead of giving mine the opportunity, worried about what the parents would say, worried about the criticism. And in some some instances, man, I felt like I hurt mine because I was allowing other children to play through mistakes and I wouldn't afford my children the same opportunity to play through the mistakes. Um, and they ended up being better in, in, in football. They ended up being better in basketball. But I, I sit back sometimes and I think, how much better could they have been? How much more confidence could they have had or would they have had if I would have treated them like everyone else instead of riding them because of the scrutiny um, that I would receive from empowering them at, but, as players and athletes? But, Kev, you... you it, it comes with the territory, right? If you, yeah. because I
1: used to, I, I, I had to do that. Like, listen, Austin, when you're not at practice, we are going to go 10 times harder so that you can work through your mistakes here. Because I know that if you get on the field, bro, if I call this play and I, and I call your number on this play, it's got to hit. Like, if it doesn't hit, I have to go to somebody else because I, if I give you two cracks at it, they're going to say it's daddy ball. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the the flip side of that, of, of the scrutiny is, I would. there will be times where I would intentionally go – with other kids that probably weren't as good because i didn't want them to say it was daddy ball and then if it didn't work you'd hear parents on the sideline like damn why didn't you just give it to austin and i'm like yeah. the, <laughs> f- the same person is gonna tell me you know what i'm saying like like yo you playing daddy ball if i give it to him and it don't work i got
2: to a point to where I, I um all the a lot of the other parents weren't doing a lot of the other dads weren't doing what cody and i were doing they weren't going to the park at five o'clock in the morning you know what I mean? Yeah. They weren't running hills. They weren't uh, fucking pushing the fucking car. You know what I mean? All the things that me, and, that Cody and I did, um, with the intention to separate ourselves from the pack. They weren't doing that. So when I thought about it, like, why am I punishing him? I'm punishing him by pushing him extremely fucking hard, right? And then I'm punishing him by kind of holding back because I don't want to upset these other parents who aren't they 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 don't they're they want hand it handed to them. You know what I mean? It's kind of like what Jordan talks about. I'm outworking all these dudes, so yes, give me the ball. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I like to what Kev was saying. It's it's a fine line that we gotta. Walk. So my, my answer to that was, I just always put Cody in the most intense and most competitive football leagues that I could find. Like we played in like four, we played in the Snoop League. We played in whatever league was supposed to be. Oh, yeah, they got, that's where the guys is at. Okay, that's what we're going to go play at. We're going to go test ourselves over there because you're around more like-minded people. So you're less likely to run into that um, person going and complaining after practice is over because Cody's getting the ball more. Or Cody scoring all the touchdowns. Those dads are saying, "Well, shit, Cody scoring all the touchdowns because he's the best player." Mm-hmm. Or not, you know, whoever X Y Z. You know what I mean? Like the um the attitude is different. You know what I mean? The the, the competition level is different. Um, it's kind of more like like Snoop League was kind of like what we came in our era. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you don't be mad at the nigga that's better than you. You just work harder. Mm-hmm. Like you 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 don't cry about the shit, nigga. You work harder. You know what I'm saying? You you go to the park an hour before that nigga, and shoot. You know what I'm saying? So by the time he get there, you done already put it in. Like, that's how we were raised. We Mm didn't have no choice because... If you if you wasn't tough, you couldn't play, nigga. You had to stay in the house. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we talked about it the other day. Like we would fucking fight all day. Mm-hmm. Like as a sport. You know what I mean? Like, like okay, I'ma bust your nose today, you bust mine tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? I'll say something about your mama, you respond. I you say mm-hmm. something about my mama, I respond. It was a sport, but it, it taught us some shit. And it wasn't mm-hmm. about the win, it was about what it took to just stand up for your fucking self.
0: Are you, you know willing I mean, to throw down?
2: Exactly. You know what I'm saying, and that's missing in a lot of a lot of the sports nowadays. And that's why you see dudes transferring. Oh, I'm not gonna start over here, so let me go here. You know what I mean? Or I I, I can't cut it in this high school. I can't cut it on this team, so I'm gonna go. I've seen dads right go start whole fucking leagues because <laughs> their kid was behind another kid on a team, Damn. literally, and just water down every fucking thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So it's like, 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 are you going to take this kid who's decent, right? And y'all going to go start your own, you know, little giant football team over here, right? Just so you can have control. Like that's that's really prevalent and it's really sad. And it's seeping into like the, the, the high school and the college ranks. You're seeing it in college where dudes are scared to fucking compete. And now mm-hmm. I'm going to just transfer under the veil of, oh, now I, I have the ability to go wherever I want to go. I can put myself in, in a transfer portal But really You just a bitch bro You know but what Norm, I'm
1: saying But Norm is it, it, I, I feel you Because I see that shit All the time Yeah But that's more cultural now
2: Yeah Exactly Yeah you
1: know, Like that is that. Like that is the culture Like um, D-Wade D-Wade was complaining About his son Not getting time At uh, Sierra Canyon You wanted to yeah. go to Sierra Canyon and go hook up with LeBron and them. Then the talent got the talent. You you could have put your son on a less talented team where he could have got, gone and showcased his skills and he could have shined and you know got recruited. And I think now he's going to like a, a one of those he's going to prep school. A prep school, yeah. like a post-high school, yeah. like an academy. Yeah, or yeah,
0: Brewster Academy in Massachusetts. Yeah,
1: so, but, yo, he wasn't getting burned because he wasn't good enough. You thought it was going to be fun and cool, and we're going to relive the LeBron James and D-Wade thing, you know, with, with Lil Bronny and Zaire playing on the same team, and it was another Zaire on that team that was knocking <laughs> heads off. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yo, yo, Zaire didn't get burned. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, and and again, I don't I don't know if it was because D Way wasn't giving Zaire the attention that he needed. Like, you should have the best trainers in the game. I know Bronny does, right? Could could it be said that instead of giving attention to Zaire, who was in his senior year, and you know, just to lead up to a senior year, you was running around doing doing press runs with uh, uh Zaire, formerly known as Zion. I seen you on TV with Zaire. Every other week, but the son, who's getting ready Whoa. for senior year, is is struggling. Can, I mean, Whoa. can it be
0: said? Oh, he, oh, he will. I I watched him play a couple games on TV, and he he wasn't he man. He didn't. You couldn't play him, man. He he just he wasn't good enough, man. Being honest,
2: I'm gonna just say that the, arguably the greatest player. To ever pick up a basketball, got cut in high school. If that,
0: let I me mean, say it
2: again. Arguably, <laughs> the best player to ever pick up a basketball in the history of basketballs got cut in high school. Right? Like, I, I don't understand like what's what, what people don't get about that. Like. When you when you become a man you understand that pure perseverance can accomplish so much bro by just not stopping like just not fucking giving up so i don't know if it's these daddies is acting like bitches or if these mamas is acting like niggas i don't know what's wrong but the fucking arguably I'm going to say it for the last time. Arguably, the greatest. I'm not even going to stop at basketball. Arguably, the greatest professional athlete of all time to ever do anything. Michael Jordan might be the best at his job that anybody has ever been at anything. Right? That's including fucking Albert Einstein in them. Right? Got cut on his high school fucking basketball team.
0: That's nuts. Norm. But the nigga did grow to end up being six six.
2: I get it, but he six, still had to—he still had to be in the backyard. He—if he, he, this shit wouldn't have came to fruition if he would have just said, you know what? Fuck it, right?
1: To piggyback off what Norm is saying, don't get it twisted because even when they drafted him, they said, you remember the pundits were saying, oh, he's only six six. He's not a big yeah. man. I'd rather take a I'd rather take Sam Bowie. I want a big man. He's only six six. This scrawny guy, he's not gonna be a star in our league, this right? Like, no, non-center yeah. no non-center would dominate the Yeah. No non-center would dominate the league. I mean, he. it took mental fortitude, and I, and I just don't think the kids in today's society are being given that because, like Norm said, at a young age, if they don't like some shit or their parents don't like what their kids are going through, they pick their ball up and they go home. I tell my seven-year-old, I tell my seven-year-old, listen, we start a season... I don't give a fuck if I don't like the coaches. I don't give a fuck if I don't like the direction. I don't give a fuck if I don't like the position you in. Bro, we're gonna finish this season. We not just getting up and tossing our tossing our gear back in and saying, man, I'm not I didn't like the way the coaches handled the shit. So I'm just gonna walk away. I'm 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 quitting on the
0: shit. You gotta start yeah, be, to
1: finish that Now I'll shit.
0: be teaching a bad lesson, man. I'm, I'm I'm different. If you don't wanna do it, it's some shit you ain't gotta put up with. So if if people are on some bullshit and I know it's bullshit. I'm not going to put my child through bullshit. I'd be to smack the hell out of the coach. We just walk the fuck on. Well, that's discernment. That's
2: That's discernment, though, right? That's not – you don't walk into every situation like that. You know what I mean? That's after, like, you evaluate and you see how things are going – and you you use your discernment, right? But I'm sure that that's a last resort. We're talking about that's the first resort to some of these motherfuckers. I am not going to talk to nobody. I'm not going to try to reason with nobody. We're going somewhere else, right? Like, I I can't beat this level. How many fucking times did it take you to pass the level in fucking Super Mario Brothers, dog? How many times did you have to fail at getting past, what the fuck, Bowser, right? You know what I'm saying?
3: it's I hate to break it to you. It only took my me my once, god, man. man. Here we go. <laughs> Look at Norm's face when I before I even said that shit. He like, oh
0: my god. Here we go with this shit.
2: fucking analogy, right there, dog. I, I was gonna tear the shit up with that analogy.
0: <laughs> but a, a more a more recent one to relate to the to the young individuals though is because you know the Michael Jordan one man. He ain't going to have no mics. There's only going to be one mic. But there was another basketball player that was cut as a sophomore. And three years later, he was the NBA Rookie of the Year. John Wall. That shit is insane.
2: I mean, just LeBron's day-to-day fucking life, right? Like, for every one fucker that love LeBron, it's 10 that hate him. You know what I mean? Like, like. To persevere through that shit, yeah. you gotta deal with motherfuckers like Skip Bayless and all these fucking idiots that have never done anything in any yeah. sport in their life. You know what I'm saying? Like there are there are people that you can look to instead of letting your kids sit there and fucking listen to little baby all day. And no disrespect to little baby, if you hear this, I like some of your music, right? But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like have them pay attention to some of these people, man, that have persevered through some shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they, like get off of this if it's not easy we're going to find another way, right? But always looking for the easy way. I can bridge that with a real-life story, right? So, um, Cody got injured early on in his uh, junior year. And um, I think the coaching staff was kind of, you know, down on him, to be Mm -hmm. honest with you. And, you know, he had some good games his junior year, but when we talk about it, it was a disappointing year. And um, that offseason, it was a lot of noise, right, about Cody transferring, right? Because, you know, there was a lot of people that understood, you know, how good he was and were wondering why he was being underused, right? And um, me and Cody had a conversation because, of course, we had to address it. You know what I mean? Like like you said, Kev, you got to you gotta make sure that these motherfuckers ain't on no bullshit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and, and, and Cody's response was that this is my fucking school i ain't going nowhere mm. we don't run and look what happened dog mm. perseverance bro Believing, betting on yourself believing in yourself understanding yourself work these are things that we have to instill in these kids so they can instill it in their kids and really have some generational change because i think that us as a people specifically we suffer from insecurity dog mm totally bro that's our biggest problem insecurity and the lack of belief in ourselves right in every situation right
1: comes from a real place yeah
3: what's up folks thanks for tuning in to part one of cougar pride the soccer continues this episode is a part of our new series blowing smoke with two peas in a bomb be sure to tune in for part two next week And as always, thanks for rocking with us.